what is up everyone we are back with another episode of shaping the culture and we've got a special guest with us i know every week i say we've got a special guest with us but not really today we got a special special guest with us he's a legend in his own right uh he's a theologian he's a hip-hop artist uh he's a content creator he's got a podcast now called complicated ish with the one and only the truth we've got none other than the flame with us how you doing bro hey all is well my guy yes <laughs> glad to be with you bro yeah i'm really excited to to have this conversation with you man i've just uh i just want to publicly say how much your ministry has impacted me and served me and helped me walk uh in the faith and uh you know it's funny i've, I've just got this affinity for hip-hop and people always ask why do you you know care so much about christian hip-hop and it's because of guys like you uh, who kind of helped disciple me um and help me think rightly about god and help fan into flame that fire. And so, uh, man, a lot of your music, uh, a lot of a lot of what you've done through hip hop has kept me and uh, helped me love Jesus more. And so thank you, bro, for all that you do. Um, wanted to give you your flowers and let you know you're appreciated and your work. Um, it's impacted people like us in Minneapolis. And so it's a real treat and honor to have you on the podcast today. Man, thank you, brother. No, those words, they certainly reached the heart and, um... You know, so I'm encouraged that it's full circle. Now here we are yeah. talking and mutually encouraging one another. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that, bro. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, how we met was kind of is it, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Expecting it. We were in Tampa for KB's music video. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you walked on set and I was like, oh, snacks. That's <laughs> And, uh, I could be socially awkward. I'm a little shy. So I was like, I don't know how to engage him. I didn't want to come off as that fan at the same time. You want to, um, but just by the grace of God, he just kind of led us to connect and, you know, have amazing conversation. And uh, I was thoroughly encouraged by our time together. And, uh, you know, some of the things we talked about, I wanted to kind of talk to you about on this podcast today. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of in a season right now where I'm witnessing a lot of friends struggle in the faith, uh, doubt the faith, uh, contemplating on leaving the faith. Uh, There's a lot of people right now deconstructing um, without reconstructing and not deconstructing well at that. Um, Just a lot of I've just seen a lot. And uh, I know we talked briefly in our time in Tampa about some of your struggle and some of your journey. And so I just kind of wanted to ask you, you know, have you ever struggled in the faith? Uh, and if so, what was that like for you? Uh, what was your journey uh, with that? Yeah, man. Um, so for me, you know, it's probably been a few significant times, but I would say in most recent times has been difficult. So one, uh, just the social climate. So I would say, you know, I was always on the right side of things as an African-American in America, knowing a backdrop of this nation. um, I just would have thought, you know, in terms of God's justice and how that should flush out in the world, I would have probably been on the right side of things. But I will say, you know, sort of starting with... um, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, leading up to George Floyd really caused me to think a lot deeper about my own identity in this particular space and time. And uh, looking at the response of a large portion of the Christian circle, Mm -hmm. you know, there were some things that that was heavily discouraging that sort of shook me up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, coming off of the heels of that, my mom passed. Um, which was, you know, it was difficult to deal with. And then 10 months later, my dad passed. So it was just this tragic collection of events that, uh, man, it just, it really put me to the test, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would certainly say in more, in more recent times, mm-hmm. so I'm very in touch with what probably a lot of people are going through on a personal level yeah. and uh, having survived it. Yeah. So what played a role in you surviving that, you know, like what kind of in moments like that where you're 
you know, grappling with real questions. And then at the same time, you're losing people that you love dearly, your mother and father. And just so sorry about your loss, by the way. I, I can't even imagine. Thank That's you, bro. Probably a crazy year. Yeah, all in the 10 months span. Uh, span. But yeah. how, did, how did you kind of rise above that or overcome or, you know, what, what was that journey like for you? Yeah, I was, um, I, I definitely went low, low in the terms of, mm. you know, I, did, I didn't, you know, go down some path of chasing vices or, you know, immoral things, but in terms of my, my spiritual energy, uh, my understanding of the world and how God engages it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was almost drained of it all. I was sort of frozen and, yeah. uh, I, I, it's like, I forgot to, I forgot how to pray. It's like, I forgot, um, you know, where I was on the horizon. I didn't know if I was up yeah. or down. I was depleted. I didn't have energy to read. Um, I didn't have a lot of energy to talk to people. Yeah. So it was sort of like a, like a suffocation almost, you know, just kind of losing oxygen. And um, yeah, so probably in that moment, it was more of God holding on to me mm. than, than me grasping on to him or his things. You know, yeah. I, I literally don't even have an, a clear assessment of how it played out. I just know I was free falling wow. and, and somehow now I'm back on some kind of solid ground. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of the way I would explain it. Man, that's encouraging. I love that. I mm. love that. Um, in light of that, like, I know you kind of touched on, you know, everything that happened on the heels of Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown. Um, and you were, I, were you living in St. Louis at that time when, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the thick. Um, yeah. it, was just, it was a strange mood in the city, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing my city in a way I had never had before with all the media attention and, um, you know, familiar places right down the street. My, my close friend lived near where the tragedy yeah. happened. I used to go there all the time to record music as a teenager. Yeah. So it was just this sort of eerie, mm. uh, dark experience of a place that I call home, you know? So even that, you know, if home sort of morphs into this new mm -hmm. location, what is it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's real, that's real. Yeah. Um, I felt that a, a tad bit with, uh, you know, we had Philando Castell and George Floyd here in Minneapolis. And so I, I get that. I get that feeling when you kind of look at um, where Christians are at today. And I'll, man, let's just uh, zero in on the demographic that um, just kind of engages with with my content. We've got a lot of minorities young minorities that engage with shaping the culture podcast um what have you seen i know i saw there's this uh there's this interview that you did or this i think it was like a web series with lisa fields the jude three project where yeah. people were kind of talking about why they left the church um yeah. and what discouraged them um in your assessment and and what you've kind of observed from maybe in your own context your own community what you kind of see on large maybe what you engage with on social media uh, what do you think are the factors, some of the factors that are leading people to kind of fall away or uh, just lose their uh, heart for the Lord, um, walk away from the church altogether? Like what what do you see in our culture right now? What do you think is threatening um, the faith? Yeah, man, great question. I would say, um, you know, one of the things is the chickens have come home to roost, bro. <laughs> there has there has been this strange romance between uh, Christianity and American patriotism. Mm. Um, there's just been this long relationship between the two, and yeah. um, and and in that weird marriage, yeah, it's 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 established a version of Christianity that um, is very political yeah. in nature, very patriotic in nature, and um, it's very moralistic in terms of the goal of it. 
Mm. So, you know, the goal becomes to climb up this ladder of, you know, obedience, to be a good citizen, to be acceptable to God. And those things I think have become exhausting to people because it's this effort to just make you a good old boy, a good old girl who pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Yeah. You don't you don't do these bad things, these bad things, or these bad things, which makes you a good person and a good yeah. Christian and a good American. Yeah, that that weird version of Christianity um, does what it can only do, which yeah. is apply the weight and the burden of the law. And Paul says that the letter kills. Mm. And when that weight is on your shoulders. That weight of the law. Yeah measure up to something that seems to be a moving target Jeez. it kills people yeah that's what happens bro yeah that reminds me of what paul says in galatians um yeah. where he says those who have trusted in their circumcisions have fallen away from grace and you know when i think about those who've fallen away from grace i think about those that have left the church out in the club doing x y and z but yeah. Paul's like, no, 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 you've fallen away from grace when you actually look to your church attendance to keep you or to save you or to what have you or what have you. So, yeah, that, that's, that's real. Like, what do you do you feel like is the response to that? Like, how do we engage people who are weighed down by a lot of this theology, a lot of this uh, philosophy, a lot of this teaching? Like, what what do we say to people like that? Yeah, one, I would say on a pragmatic practical level yeah uh, we have to accept the fact that life is a journey yeah give people the space to be in this dark place so Mm -hmm. we have to be gracious and 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 sort of let them sink Mm -hmm. and um to you know to not condemn them in a way that doesn't invite them back so we, we have to sort of let this time period exist don't so easily move to the solutions, but we should be, you know, quick to hear, slow to speak. Yeah. And because um, I, I guarantee you, people want to talk right now. They want to be heard. They want to get this stuff out. They want to hear out loud their own thoughts, and they would probably enjoy engaging it with others. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to, you know, sort of let it happen. And yeah. then I think the other thing would probably be. Um, yeah, seeing if you know through God's grace, if there's some willingness to revisit what Christianity is in its bare bones, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of so in one sense, I agree with the healthy version of deconstruction where we can strip it down and see what it is at the core. Yeah. And then you know, hope that there's something there attractive to them. Obviously, we want the spirit to do that. But just in human terms, hoping that it's something still attractive in what they discover, bare bones Christianity, and then try to rebuild from that point, you know? Yeah, that's good. I Man, I got a, a few follow-up questions in light of what you uh, shared. Yeah. This idea of just letting people sink. Um, I've been learning that the hard way. And I'll be very honest with you, Flame. Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I get it, bro. <laughs> and I tell you why that's hard for me. Um, and and I and I'm I'm saying this because I acknowledge that 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 needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But in, I've and I've felt it in conversations where I'm like, I just got to let this go. It 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 almost feels like I'm giving up on them. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like. You know, my my response, and this is a very personal thing. I don't want to like project this on anybody. But for me, when someone kind of um, introduces a thought or when someone kind of gives a reasoning, my reflex is to respond back with logic, respond back with an answer, respond back with the reasoning. But to your point, I've been learning just sometimes that's not helpful. Sometimes that's that'll do more damage. And I remember a particular conversation I had with a good friend of mine. And that was kind of like, I was going back and forth. And I remember he he made a statement that made me just kind of back off and kind of align with what you're saying about, yo, sometimes you just got to, and, and he said, you know, even if I do come back to this thing, hmm. like, even if I do trust he's even he's like, I'm on Twitter. What is this CRT? You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I even coming back to? You know what I'm saying? And for him, it's like, it sounded like even though he kind of left, he hadn't left, he was still peeping from the corner of his eye. And he's like, 
I don't even want to deal with what the church is dealing with right now. And uh, in that moment, I just realized, you know, it, it's only if, 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 if they're going to come back, it's by the grace of God. They come back. It's by God's doing. There is no argument. There is no logic. There is no response that will capture or arrest the heart of people. Um, they, they serve, they help, but it's ultimately God that does it. But what would be your encouragement to people like me? who struggle with that, who struggle with letting people sink and letting the Lord do what he does best in his time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get it. I, I feel the same way, bro. As a, as a thinker, as a writer, as, yeah. I've given my life to piecing together words to draw people into mm -hmm. Christ. So mm -hmm. I understand that, that reflex, yeah. but um, you know, it's helpful to, to realize that life is a journey. Yeah. Right. So, so, we're we're zeroed in we're we're magnifying this time period yeah. and then we're you know sort of heaping on it this sort of um urgency which is which is good in one sense yeah but if we can pan out and see this is just a, a moment in time and mm -hmm. you know if all things go the way they normally do that person will probably continue to live and uh they'll think things through and so I would say to, you know, people that have our similar reflex, just sort of realizing it isn't over. You yeah. know what I mean? This is just a time period. This could be a season. Seasons change. We're all on a journey, like I said. And um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, God uses this space, you know, like, you know, he's saying right now, what would I even come back to, mm. you know, in some trippy way? What if there is some evolution and the maturity of the face of Christianity yeah. that um, it sort of took took for him to reapproach it afresh. Yeah. So again, that's just a guess. But ultimately, you know, we're trusting in God who's behind yeah. the scenes, who loves him more than we do. Yeah. And anyone in that space, God cares for them on a level we can never understand. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're not more invested in his mm. salvation in God is, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good reminder because I'd be forgetting. <laughs> I get it, bro. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Because you love, you love and you care and, yeah. you know, and we don't want them to be harmed. So that's real. Yeah. yeah absolutely. To, to, the, to the piece that you talked about with deconstruction, um, I totally affirm that there is a healthy way of going about it. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you think is a healthy way um, of going about it. Um, because I, I, I do think, you know, I don't think deconstruction is a new, like a, it's a new thing. I think it's been around. I feel like Jesus was deconstructing when he was walking on this earth. Um, but I feel like there are helpful ways to go about it and healthier ways to go about it um, that won't <laughs> lead us into some kind of, um, a, a crazy uh, uh, conclusion or an error or what have you. And so how would you, for those who are watching and they're in that season, and I want to say this one thing too, deconstruction is not the end. I think it's the process to an end, you know, or it's the means to an end. And what I've seen a lot of the times is deconstruction is the end. It just ends with tearing things down, but there's no intention of wanting to rebuild. There's no intention of wanting to piece things back together. Um, it just kind of ends there. Uh, which I think is also damaging in a lot of ways. But for those who are tuning in, who are in that season, um, what would be your encouragement to them? Like, what's the right way um, to go about it? You know, so so one, I would say for the people that are going through that, you know, and this should comfort you and I, people like us. Um, when you break up with someone that you've been with for any long period of time, you can't so easily dismiss Mm. those memories and that bond that you've developed over time. Yeah. So we have that working in us and for us, even when we think about people who are in that stage right now, um, they may have on some level separated themselves from their Christian faith, but it, it don't just go away. You know what I'm saying? Your conscience can't be washed clean overnight mm. as you make some definitive decision that you're no longer a Christian. You're, your conscience is still Christian informed. Yeah. 
So you're always going to struggle with those things because your mind has been shaped and turned and molded over a course of time to think the way the Bible calls you to think. So even if you've broken away from your profession as a Christian, it's not, you know, washed out altogether. And I think, you know, that serves the person because they're going to constantly be comparing and contrasting some new worldview that they're now buying into with this deep-rooted worldview that's been settled into their hearts over time. You know what I mean? And I think the spirit is going to meet them in there. So he's going to, he's going to get inside. He's going to get in that mess in that dark place and help them sort of piece things together in the way he does it in his mysterious, glorious way. Right. But I would say to answer the question, a healthy way, um, it may get kind of messy. So Mm. is there a healthy way? I'm not sure, but, but, what I think of, though, is at least if you can do it in a context of community, and that's kind of a buzz phrase, community, but all that means is simply if there's someone or maybe a couple of people that don't think like you, because the worst thing you can do in that sort of dark place is go into some new echo chamber mm. where, you know, I don't know, now you're a Hebrew Israelite, or now you're an, an atheist, and all you do is hang around Hebrew Israelites and atheists. Well, right. you're not going to be doing true deconstruction if you've just gone to some new system that's already built up and well established. You're just going to be being indoctrinated right. with something new. So, the something healthy is to keep an open space where there are people there that are Christian that still do hold to the things that you used to. And then maybe you might have your, you know, atheist friend there, your Hebrew Israelite friend there. And, um, you know, we're going to be praying for you while you're in that fire. Um, but, but on a personal level, at least you're not locked into some, you know, echo chamber where you're only hearing things that affirm this new system, you know. Yeah. So that to say that, and then I think, like you said, keeping in mind that, the end game is not to just destroy Christianity and, and leave it a mess because that's intellectually dishonest because, you know, you can do that with any system. Right. right? You can poke holes and find inconsistencies in every system. Uh, not that there are any inconsistencies in Christianity, but my point is you'll find things that'll, that'll be perceived as, you know, inconsistent or, um, you know, falsehood or something in every system appear like the appearance of it will be there so saying that to say um you know it might get messy but if you could do it in the context of community don't be in your echo chamber and don't have your end goal just to throw christianity out the window if what you're really trying to do is to tear down to build back up but if you're just kind of having a temper tantrum you're just mad right now that just may be part of this messy stage that hopefully you'll get over as you realize you can't live life in that funk, in that dark place, because then you'll start chasing vices and make a lot of immoral decisions and you'll go down further and and you'll end up at the bottom of nowhere Mm -hmm. in despair. And then, you know, probably tempted to not even want to live anymore. So there's no hope in just throwing your life away. So don't stay there, don't stay there. Yeah, that's good. I love that. You know, as I'm hearing you talk, uh, what it sounds like to me is there's this unwavering confidence in the truth or in who God says he is, whether it be in your approach and engaging with someone that's doubting or in how you engage with someone that's in the um, season, in a season of deconstructing and reconstructing their faith. Um, it, it almost sounds as you're kind of giving your answers and your responses. What I hear is you're not threatened by their position. You're not threatened by their season. Um, how do we get to that place? Like, uh, how did you get to that place? If, 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 I, if you don't mind me asking, have you always been there? Is that something you had to kind of grow in, mature in? But what I hear as you're responding to these questions is that it's okay for them to be where they're at. We'll pray. We'll give our case and let the, let the Lord do what he does best. And so yeah. Yeah, that is, that's an insightful question, bro. 
So um, two answers. One, I remember a college professor told me it's no more urgent now than it was when Jesus walked the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, this this space that we find ourselves in is like many other spaces in human history where people have struggled and wrestled, which leads me to my second point, which is Christianity has been under fire so many times, bro. So church history has helped me as I've looked at time periods where maybe Greek culture was beating the doors of Christianity down and trying to, you know, um, be the leading thought of the day, the philosophers of the day ruling the, you know, the public square and Christianity had to exist in that relativistic society. You know, Christianity had to exist during the middle ages uh, where there's such a a, a illiteracy rate and there were no Bibles written in the common language, you know, um, through the crusades when Christians and Muslims were having wars and um, Christians were being told, if you sign up for the military, you you earn an immediate entrance into heaven. So there have been all these time periods where Christianity has been under fire. Um, There have been intellectual heavyweights who seem to have proven Christianity wrong or declared God to be dead or something like that. And Christianity always rises to the occasion. It's just this fortification that that has been, um, it's just been unmovable. And for me, I found a lot of comfort in that. And I, and I thought to myself, this is just our version of that. Mm-hmm. And on a personal level, this is my version of that. And uh, some of the greatest writings have come from Christians who have suffered and struggled with their faith. And they've produced some of the most clear, mm-hmm. succinct mm-hmm. writings that just penetrate straight to the point mm-hmm. because they can recall with words and imagery the, the darkness and the mood that they were in at that time and then connecting the dots between the truth, clarity and the gospel. And then a whole generation of people can now see more clearer. So those things have really built my confidence up. Yeah, that's profound. That's so good for sharing that. Yeah, history is important. History is important. Uh, I wanted to kind of pivot here and and change directions. you know, when I think about uh, where we're at as a culture today, whether it be the fight for justice, the conversation around CRT, when I think about heroes that have fallen, uh, pastors and leaders that have fallen, uh, when I see the different abuses that are happening in the church, and then when I think about some of the exciting stuff where you've got celebrities proclaiming the name of Jesus, people like Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper. I just, it's just such an interesting time. <laughs> it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, how do you, like, what, what would be your encouragement to someone in the midst of all of that that's, that's struggling? How do they keep themselves? I think, of, I think of Nehemiah and how when he was under attack, when you, you know, Tobiah, Sanballat, I think Geshem, were, you know, waging war against the people of God as they're trying to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah tells them, you know, have your sword in one hand and essentially your hammer in another. We're going to build and fight at the same time. And I think it's chapter five or four. I'm forgetting the exact chapter. But something stood out to me where the Bible says that they never took off their clothes, even when they went to get some water. There was just this, you know, we can't afford to let our guard down, even if we're taking a water break. There's just this, at any moment, we can be under attack. And I feel like, you know, that's how it feels like today. At any moment, we can be under attack. We can log on to Twitter and feel like we're being under attack. We can clock in at work and we're under attack. We can turn on the news and and for some of us walk into church and be under attack. And so like, you know, and if you're not constantly on guard, that thing wear, 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 uh, weighs you down, wears on you, beats you up. And before you know it, if you're not on guard, if you're not fighting the good faith, fight of faith, you can, in one way or another, sense the drift. And so how do we keep ourselves in, in these unprecedented times? Because 
a lot is happening right now and there's a lot of reasons to punt the faith. Uh, so <laughs> how do we learn right now? Man, that, you know, it's, um, this is where my experience in, in Lutheran thought has served me well. And through Lutheran thought, I've been able to, you know, link arms with the ancient church. And um, so for me, you know, I've heard it put like this, the two pillars of the Christian faith are assurance of salvation and vocation, mm. right? Mm. So, so one reality that we live in as Christians is that we are assured of our salvation because it is rooted in what God has done outside of ourselves. Yeah. Right. So it's um, it's one objectively on a cross. Historically, Jesus died for sinners. Right. Mm -hmm. He died for the world. And then, um, you know, through the preaching of his word, he creates faith in us. And through that gift of faith, we lay hold of his promises. And, uh, you know, obviously, as a as a Lutheran thinker and linking on with the ancient church, I'm going to add and the sacraments also outside of ourselves, uh, God is applying this grace, this life afresh regularly. Yeah. So as I'm moving in and out of the world, this turbulent, unstable world, I now know that nothing can breach my connectivity with God. Yeah. So whether I'm being threatened to conform the Christian message and and that could be threatened with, you know, imprisonment, some type of social inconvenience or death. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, there's nothing in me that will breach my connectivity to God because he's saving me outside of myself, regardless of how I feel, regardless of my amazing performance or lack thereof on this day or this week or this year that God has gotten. Right. So I'm functioning in that. Mm. Even when I don't feel it, it's 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 holding on to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you know, there's gonna there's gonna be those moments where I don't feel like a Christian. I feel like I'm dropping the ball, mm. but because I receive that bread and that wine, because I'm constantly staying underneath God's word, I'm remembering what He did for me in baptism. He's holding on to me when I'm not holding on to Him. So I have that first pillar, mm. assurance of salvation. Then that second pillar which is vocation, which really just frees me up to do whatever I'm called to do in whatever space I find myself in. And all of us have many vocations. We're all sons or daughters or husbands or wives. You know, we all have different jobs and different skill sets. So I now know whatever I'm doing, God is using it. So say, for example, if there's someone who's struggling in their faith, just the fact that I'm praying for them, I'm functioning in my vocation as a Christian. Fact that I'm thinking about them, you know, checking up on them. How can I serve you? You need somebody to come babysit your kids, wash your car. I'm functioning in my vocation, and God is using me as His hands and His feet. So it's it's, it's as if God is masked, mm. and the way He's serving us is through human hands yeah. and human feet. So He's caring for us through me. That's going to give me identity. That's going to give me purpose. That's yeah. going to cause me to know what whatever I'm doing is lockstep with God's mission in the world. So no matter what's going on, I'm pleasing to God in my vocation because he's using me in all these different areas. Yeah. And ultimately in Christ, I'm solidified. So I think if I'm understanding your question correctly, that's how I'm staying encouraged in a crazy time where good things are happening. Non-Christians and famous people are getting saved. Christianity is under threat. There's a stability in knowing I have assurance of my salvation and me playing my part is contributing much good in the world. And, and that helps things stay kind of simple, narrow, and it's not this introverted focus. It's, it's, it's a community thing as well. The good of the world that's springing out from my personal connection to God. So a lot was said, hopefully something made sense. <laughs> I would say, and I'm like, my mind is racing. Cause I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, Again, it also reminds me of some of the conversation we had in Tampa. I, I uh, where do I want to go with this? So <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember, you know, something that we had discussed was this idea that, you know, 
our holiness or our obedience is not so much so for us to be in right standing with God. You know, you mentioned remembering your baptism. You mentioned, you know, the external, right? This, what did Jesus do for me? You know, let me cling to that. Let me, let me hold on. Let me hold fast to that. And then you, you know, as you're, if I understand how you were uh, defining vocation, it sounded like the way we serve others, the way we look out for others, the way we love others. And uh, I, I remember you saying that, you know, our good deeds are not for God, it's for our neighbor. And that, that kind of gave you freedom to even live in this crazy season of life that we're in, or maybe um, uh, this crazy life that we all are a part of and have to be a part of until God calls us home or what have you. Um, or he comes back. And so can you kind of speak to that a little bit? I'm, I'm trying to find that middle ground, but this idea that, because I know for me, uh, it's really easy to look at my good deeds as something that will save me. I don't remember the baptism. I don't, you know, I think about Jesus and what he's done for me. And I know you talked about this a little bit on the live yesterday and just kind of the loopholes and Calvinism. <laughs> about how, you know, we're taught that it's not on us, but at the same time, it's on us to keep the thing that's not on us to get us in the thing, what have you. <laughs> how, do we, how, do we, how do we remember that? Like, how do we remember that our good deeds is not about keeping us as much as it is our vocation or serving others? Like, God, God doesn't need our good deeds. Like, when he looks at us, he looks at the finished work of Jesus. However we are called to live a certain way. We are a royal priesthood so that our witness could be impacted and that we could love our neighbor the way, um, the way God loves us or what have you. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of make sense? No, that makes, that makes pure sense because one it's important too, with the context of the conversation is because I think this is also another reason people are leaving Christianity. Yeah. Because in terms of their morality and the internal conflicts of just being a human in, in this world, I think a lot of people feel like I'm not good enough. Mm. I've tried, I've, you know, I, I got accountability. I live in community. I got this software on my computer. Um, you know, I've joined this program. I went to this conference. I read this book. I studied this dead theologian. They've tried <laughs> everything that they've heard and they still feel like a failure. And I think, you know, because of the, 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 the way Christianity is framed in their minds, and, and unfortunately in the generic American church, which I would argue also includes reform thought, um, it's, it's caused people to see Christianity as this climb upward, mm -hmm. going up the ladder, that's the thing, you know? And if, you know, like myself as a, as a Calvinistic thinker for 18 years, of course, I would have talked about what happened on the cross. Of course, I would have affirmed justification by faith alone. Um, those would have been sweet doctrines and, and still are that would have helped me throughout my 18 year stretch in the Calvinistic world. Um, but what would have competed with that would have been the way sanctification is framed. Sanctification is framed as, um, you know, this proof and assurance that I'm one of the elect. It, it is what affirms that Jesus died for me in particular. How do I know? Because look at how different I am from last year. Look how different I am from two years ago. I'm growing. I'm going up the ladder. And, um, and I think, you know, that's a, a fairly novel mm. take on things that I've been able to sort of unearth through panning out and seeing what the you know ancient churches thought about sanctification, in particular Lutheran thought. So, um, so it's helpful now to kind of talk about the sacraments. And this this isn't even necessarily a, a an opportunity to try to convince people, as much as I think what has happened is when Christianity lost true extranos. Mm. We were left with a contemplative spirituality. We were left with things sort of always turning us back to thinking rightly about our faith and affirming it 
going up the ladder by keeping the law proving through our sanctification that we're saved. Even though we know we know better, mm -hmm. on paper, we would never say that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Functionally, based on the sermons and how we're trying to flush it out in the mundane of regular life, that ends up being what's happening. Because, and, and again, that's because I think we've lost what the ancient church had and preserved and what I would say the Lutheran tradition as well as um, the Coptic church and many other traditions, Greek Orthodox as well, um, and the list goes on. In fact, the majority of Christianity, when the world thinks of Christianity, they do not think of Baptists, they do not think of Presbyterians. The majority of Christian reputation, uh, 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 the, the Christian uh, reputation is not going to be from those, you know, this, this, these American denominations. Yeah. Um, so that aside, true externos in the sacraments has been something that um, has comforted us, comforts me to know when I don't feel like I weigh up. Yeah. In fact, you know, um, I don't stay away from the Lord's Supper because of my sin, which I was taught the unworthy manner yeah. what, that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. The unworthy manner is having some sin that's un, you know, dealt with. So you stay away from this meal because you, know, you don't want to fall sick or die like many did. Yeah. But what I've learned is to you know, reapproach that text and see it in its plain meaning and see, in fact, what Paul was arguing is um, the, the sin there was to not acknowledge the bodily presence right. of God in the, in the supper. And because I'm a sinner, because I'm constantly dropping the ball, I've tried all these different things and they're not working. I need to therefore approach the Lord's table to receive grace yeah. afresh, to yeah. receive life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's been true externals. It's been these external realities that or not based on what I feel, what I think, what, what stage of growth I am, if I look different than last year, is based on God's word. Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. As often as you do it, in remembrance of me for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. He said it, I'm just gonna take the meal and benefit <laughs> from his words. I think that reality among Christians mm. is our lifeline. And I think we just do right to at least talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Now, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm like, this is a very freeing thought Yeah, that it's not on me. In fact, there's nothing I could do to save me, that it's God coming down. I mean, that's that's the crux of our salvation. That's what um, distinguish, distinguishes us from every other religion. Um, but I, I want to play devil's advocate. And I know you give it to me. I need this. I need this. Yeah. And it's, it's just because I know and I know from our conversation, you've you've heard th this uh, pushback. Yeah. And to be honest, if I were to be real with man, my tension points and me wondering how this all works together, because I know you're this is not what you're saying, but sometimes how I can hear it is, well, forget about the fruit of the spirit, forget about growing, forget about maturing, forget about um and I know that's not what you're saying, but I know that that's what the argument is met with is, <laughs> all right, it doesn't really matter where we're at. We got to look to Jesus for our uh, assurance and just trust that we are maturing in him. What do you say to people that are like, what about the fruit of the spirit? What about, you know, how can we be dealing with the same sin for 10 plus years? How is it that we're not evolving in some way? How is it, you know, you know, what about that passage in Corinthians where it says, as you contemplate the Lord's glory, you are being uh, made, you're, you're, uh, uh, what's, what's the, what's the word you are uh, being made into his likeness or what have you like, aren't we supposed to reflect God? Aren't we supposed to be made in his image? Aren't we, um, what do you do with that? You know, because again, on one end, I hear you and I'm like, that's so free <laughs> yeah. that I don't have to worry about being better. Um, and, and that being the assurance that I'm in Christ, that I could just look to his baptism, look to his work on the cross and that settles it. But at the same time, what do we do? Do we, you know, do we never grow? Do we, are we never going to be matured? Like what, what, how does all that work together? 
Yeah, beautiful question. One, I like that it provoked the question because it it, it shows how scandalous grace is. <laughs> it, it, it demands this side eye, like <laughs> sounds like you're saying that you're forgiven of all your sins, <laughs> you know, regardless of what you've done. You know what I'm saying? So I, I like that it produced this question. But I, what I will say, though, is, um, you know, Luther talked about the law as well as, you know, he's, he's drawing from Paul. He's drawing from Augustine. And he talks about these uses of the law. So there's this use of the law, this first use, which is just the civil use of the law. In other words, the law functions as a way to tell Christians and non-Christians what's good and what's bad. Don't do that. Um, there's the second use of the law that functions as, um, you know, a mirror. So we see it. We don't like what we see. It crushes us. We can't live up to the standard. It kills us. And then the law is met with the gospel and the gospel silences the law mm. and it brings you back to life. Mm. Now there's this third use of the law that the, that is exclusive to the Christian, which, you know, um, we value God's law. Um, the book of Hebrews talks about the God's law was always good. Even though the law kills, the letter kill it, but the spirit brings life. Paul says the law has not, he says in Hebrews 8, I believe, it was the, is, the problem isn't the law. The problem is us. Yeah. We can't keep it, right? So now we get to this third use, and now we can finally, you know, um, follow the law underneath God's power, underneath God's grace. Yeah. But that ability is not... Um, done in totality like our justification is our justification is fixed once for all done and god continues to justify us throughout this life until glory right but sanctification spiritual growth uh christification whatever you want to call it um it's a process for whatever reason i don't know why the holy spirit decided to make it a process he could have made it a once and for all thing like justification. And when you become a Christian, you no longer desire anything contrary or contradictory to your faith. I wish it was like that. Yeah. For some reason that wasn't God's, you know, desire. Yeah. So the way we use this third use of the law is we see God's word um, and it tells us the Ten Commandments. It tells us how to function around our neighbor to not you know, lust after his wife, to not steal from him, to not kill him. And the list goes on, right? So we still look to God's law as to how to live in the world, what to do with my, my minutes, my seconds, my days, my years. So the law is telling me that. But here's the important thing. The, the function of our growth is towards our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. So the function of my spiritual growth isn't to climb up the ladder to prove something to God, to Although my growth will show me what the Holy Spirit is doing in me, it's going to show me not in totality. I won't be able to fully see what he's doing in me, um, but it'll show me something about what the Spirit is doing. But the reason why it can't be, um, you know, given too much credence in terms of where to look mm -hmm. is because we still have this sinful flesh. Right. Luther talked about we're simultaneously saints and sinners. Yeah. So even all your good works are still going to be impacted by your sin nature. Yeah. Right. So. If our righteousness is that of a filthy rag. Right. So if your best day, I mean, you killed it. You ain't looking nothing crazy. You ain't saying nothing crazy. You help 20 people cross the street. You prayed, you read your Bible, you shared your faith to four people. Even on that day, you, your contribution is that of a filthy rag, yeah. right? And then the book of James says, if you break one law, you've broken them all. So, so therein lies the lack of assurance. Yeah. There is nothing in our performance, though it should be growth, though we should be growing, but in terms of the measuring rod, the degrees, how much, as we typically are the ones who are judging, engaging that. We're the ones who are giving these arbitrary numbers 
okay, he's been saved for two years now. By this point, he should not be looking at this anymore, thinking this. You don't get these numbers and these dates yeah. and these specific timelines from the scriptures. They're typically ones that we arbitrarily draw either from our personality, our own aptitude, or comparing somebody else's growth to someone else's. And wow. then we start kind of fixing those as the standard. Wow. And that's going to vary from church to church, pastor to pastor, denomination to denomination. And it gets messy. And now it's like, okay, who? what is the standard? It's always going to be this moving target. Yeah. So that's why I say, I mean, amen. Yeah, that should be growth. You bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, you could tell a tree by its fruit. Make your calling and election sure. All these texts are real. They're in the Bible. I would never deny them. Amen. Hallelujah. But we also should not dump into them more than what was intended. Mm. That's the point. And, and lastly would be those things should be directed towards our neighbor again. So if, if I'm not looking at certain things as a husband, I'm doing it because I want to honor my wife. I want to have I want to have energy to serve her. I want to have momentum to care for my children. That's why I can't spend hours and time doing this. Then that way it frees me up to get creative in how to love her and care for her. And I'm not preoccupied with this guilt, feeling unworthy and God doesn't accept me. Now I'm scared to share my faith. Now I'm scared and I don't want to be used by God because I just got to hide. And you become more introverted, closed off and scared and you feel worthless. And then you're rendered useless mm. when you're so focused internally. You got to get out outside, outside ourselves. Man, that's so powerful. A lot of good things that you just said. I want to kind of hit on one thing real quick. Yeah. I've noticed in my life and in some of the, um, in, in my friends' lives, mm -hmm. what discourages us or even makes us question whether or not we're saved is when we kind of pull from those arbitrary numbers mm. in 10 years yeah. why am i still struggling with this it's been three years why am i still not growing in my understanding of this and i love how you articulated why we shouldn't do that but i just kind of wanted to expand that a little bit um, with our time together for those that are tuning in and those that are listening and they're maybe they feel like they're once and away from god being done with them or maybe their pastors have given up on them. Maybe their parents have given up on them. Maybe their friends have given up. Maybe some, some, somebody's tuning in right now. They've given up on themselves because they're comparing themselves with this person or that person or even within, them, within themselves or maybe this pressure that they put on themselves. For whatever reason, they're sitting there wondering, am I even saved? Does God love me? It's been X amount of years. I should be here by now like how would you encourage that particular person uh right now who's wrestling with that yeah another thing i would say bro mm -hmm. and and you know as you know one who has now been freed i would argue yeah. from the confines of my uh, strict five-point reformed baptist calvinistic thinking yeah. The first place I will point somebody is the universality of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Yeah. And here's why that has power. Because if Jesus only died for the elect, yeah. limited few, already I'm questioning if he died for me. Yeah. But if I see the universality in Jesus' death, I no longer question, Yeah, has Jesus died for me? Now, obviously, there are scriptures that we have to deal with to help people walk from where I was to where I am now or where they may be. Yeah. But for me, I'm going to answer. First place I'm going to point to is, is look to the cross, but not in some way to see if you might fit in it. I'm going to assure you that you are a part of what Jesus accomplished on a cross. I'm gonna point you to the universality. He died for you. How do you know? Because he said he died for the sins of the world, not just for the, um, This John says he didn't die just for us, but for the sins of the world. Almost as if John wants to distinguish. It's not just this exclusive group of people, but for the sins of the world. So I'm gonna send you there. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. give up because Jesus died for you. That's that's a that's a, an expression of love that um, should expand your hope and and your last considerations of am I good enough? Am I worthy? Yes, you are because Jesus died for you. For you in particular, whatever your name is, male, female, young, older, or in the middle, for you, yes. If you listen to this, just point to yourself and say, me, you feel me? Um, and then the other thing I'm going to say is, um, you know, just know that Jesus was a high priest who can sympathize with us. Yeah. He was tempted on every hand. I don't think we take that seriously. So whatever internal conflict you're having, Jesus understands it. You might think, nah, Flame, you don't know that my internal conflict, <laughs> Jesus says, I was tempted on every hand. Yeah, so yeah. he understands what you're engaging within yourself. Yeah. So him having full knowledge of you, your complexity, your contradictions, your hypocrisy, He's not intimidated by it. He's not, he's not um, shying away from you because of it. In fact, he moved in in the most unique and special way for you by dying for you in particular. And he's also into giving us the gift of faith. Again, coming down to us to, you know, relieve this burden that torments man, which is the loud screams of the law, the loud screams of the law. You're not worthy. You're dirty. You're mm -hmm. filthy. The gospel silences the law. Yeah. Finally, there's quiet. There's peace. And if you don't feel that, just know it's not about what you feel. Mm -hmm. It's about his word. And he is fully man and fully God. Yeah. And he spoke this world into existence through his word. He yeah. brought Lazarus back from the dead through his word. That's what his word does. It brings life. Yeah. So, yeah, just I, I pray that those realities will land on your heart and, and, and enliven you for real. I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I got, you know, we could do this all day. Let's go King. Let's go. <laughs> as you're answering the questions just flood my mind. Um, but I've got two specific questions I have for you. Um, I want to be, you know, a better friend. I want to be, um, better brother. I want to be a better son, better pastor. I want to be better podcaster. Um, I want to be a better servant of Jesus. And so how do you encourage me or those who are tuning in that aren't necessarily struggling in this season, but they've got a couple of friends or family members or someone in their church context? How do we, you know, maybe you can give some practical handles, but how do we love better, you know? And you know, what, one thing I've found to be true is a lot of what was taught to us, a lot of what was given to us on how to love others aren't so helpful. Um, <laughs> harmful in a lot of ways, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes we, you know, what you don't know, which is what you don't know, you know, but when we're working towards loving better and being the hands and feet of Jesus, what are some things we could do? Like, I'm thinking about your season that you were in of doubt and struggle, who loved you and how did they do it? You know, what, what kind of, what kind of friendships, pastor relationships, um, family, like how, how were you met that kind of helped you in the season that you were navigating? And I know that we can never change anyone. You know, we're not called to change anyone, but God does call us to journey with others and to walk with others. And so um, what would be your encouragement? How would you uh, spur us on towards love and uh, good deeds? Yeah, I love that, bro. Um... Man, great question. So one thing that I love and I appreciate was, you know, through my journey landing in, in, in Lutheran thought was Luther's fight for the doctrine of vocation, mm. right? Mm. Which in turn is um, a teaching that elevates God's creation. It, yeah. it allows it to be good again. It's no longer competing with God. I'm not afraid that everything's going to become an idol and, you know, don't, don't do this, you know, because it's going to become an idol and you're always afraid of idolatry, idolatry. So yeah. that makes you want to be more spiritual and less in the world and less mm. earthly and regular. Yeah. But when I realized God is okay with his creation, he's, he's, he's using it as a means to relieve burdens 
And now I can, I can, I can look at whatever I'm doing as linking up with Jesus to, you know, restrain evil in the world, to alleviate burdens to, you know, for my neighbor. So saying that to say this, bro, one of the things that helped me was people being on deck, just doing regular stuff. Um, And I wouldn't have thought those were spiritual things because I had a toxic view of spirituality. I would have thought spirituality is only prayer or just, you know, invisible things, you know, pray for me, do a devotional with me, um, you know, take me to go share the faith or something like that. I would have thought that's spirituality. The other stuff is worldly. And I would have thought worldly meant something bad or negative or cheap. Um, but now I have a more fuller and biblical understanding of spirituality, which includes the physical, which includes creation. So it's just as, it's just as much of a spiritual good work when people say, flame my, um, man, bro, I went to this restaurant yesterday. I had these, these shrimp that was fire, bro. I'm about to bring some over to you, Hmm. right? In that deed, they're, they're functioning in their vocation as a good friend and they come over, we laugh. You know what I'm saying? When people would call me and just say, hey man, thinking about you, um, you know, check check out this funny meme. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was in those moments that brought oxygen into my space. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yes, as well as people saying, I'm praying for you, as well as people, you know, recommending um, maybe some cool, devotional thing for me to check out or something like that but it was it was all hands on deck if it was a fun video game we could play together if it was you know doing a devotion together all those things were you know God's creation functioning as you know this this extension of his hand is his feet and helping me get through this this low dark confusing space you know what I mean? And uh, God was, he was, he's going to reward them, mm-hmm. right? Because our good works are going to come back up when we stand before the Lord, Paul says, and we're going to be rewarded for the things we did in the body, right? Mm-hmm. So all those video games, all those funny memes, all those good, the good food, wow. the jokes, those mm-hmm. are going to come back up and they'll be rewarded and receive crowns in heaven for those spiritual things. Yeah. And that stuff was breathing life in me, bro. And um, so, yeah, just get creative, get creative. Yep. What what are the needs? That's a specific thing. What are the needs? Do they need you to help babysit? Um, What if you can cook a couple of meals for them throughout the week? What if you can maybe cash app them something, you know? Uh, What if you can take them out on a walk? Yeah, I go walk and talk. Like, it's just all hands on deck. Use God's creation as, as a counseling mechanism through these low points. Yeah, I love that, man. That yeah. I really love that answer. It's so good. Um, yeah, man. So counter Christian culture. It's not counter Bible. Yeah, <laughs> counter Christian culture. <laughs> Facts. Facts. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what God did with a, is it um uh, is it uh, Elijah? Not is it Elijah? No, it's um I think it's Elijah at the with the he was by the brook. Yeah, lost it. Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. And uh, God just gave us some sleep and some food. (laughs) All back, King. Rest, eat. You know what I'm saying? That's spiritual stuff. The regular stuff is how God rejuvenates us. You know what I mean? That's so good, man. I love that. Love that. One more question, and I'll be out of your hair. what would you say to those that are struggling? I know I wanted to kind of address people that are walking with those that are struggling, but for those that are, you know, for whatever reason tuned in today and, you know, their faith is shaky, um, questioning it all, wondering if Jesus is worthy of their life, um, you know, what would be your encouragement to them? Yeah, man. One thing I remember doing, bro, I was at such a low point. Mm. I prayed the most generic Mm. prayer I could muster up. I just said, Literally, I'm almost quoting myself. I remember just kind of looking in a mirror and then looking away. I couldn't, I didn't even want to look at myself. But I remember just saying like, hey, whatever, um, just help. Wow. That was kind of like that. Like, I didn't know who I was talking to, male, female, multiple guys. I was that low, bro. I yeah. was just like, hey, 
thing helped me. And, um, you know, there's only one God. There's only one God. And, um, and I believe because of his work that he had done in my heart, that he heard my feeble, maybe even theologically sinful cry out in my lamentation. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I would just encourage that, that person to say what you can, say what you can. And, and um, you know, I would encourage you to, um, again, if, if you have an open mind to at least talk to your good Christian friends, because that's something that I did benefit from. I remember just my good Christian friends ones that I didn't feel threatened by that were too over the top. Um, you know, if you, if you have the courage to keep them in your life, please do because they know not to overdo it and they're just going to be there to love you. And they're going to hear from you how to care for you in regular ways. Um, so if you can just try to keep them around and not push them out of your life, cause you just, you still need good friends, whatever, paradigm or worldview you find yourself in. You need good friends on this journey that we call life. So try to keep your good Christian friends around. And I believe through those things, um, you'll find your way back to Christ himself and, and just know he sees a full scope of your journey. So he's not intimidated by where you are on this time and this marker of the timeline. He, he, um, he sees where you are. He understands it better than you do. And um, just know that so you can kind of sit in it. Um, but I would just encourage you, yeah, to um, yeah, to know that God is good and that, and that he loves you. And uh, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. So if you have ears to hear, consider those things. Yeah. Bro, thank you so much. Listen, if nobody got anything from this, I got it. This is something. <laughs> something i've benefited from and so thank you for lending your time and your wisdom man bro thank you for sharing your story and uh being honest and real and uh i really appreciate you bro and uh thank you so much for gracing shaping the culture and coming on one time the one time uh yo man thanks for having me baby we did it man we did it we said we was gonna do it at the video shoot yeah bro yeah and so thanks so much, bro. And for those who are tuning in, hope you're blessed by this. Hope you're encouraged by this. Flame, you respond back to DMs on Instagram. If anybody heard this and they want to kind of connect and maybe had some follow-up, they can just hit you up. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm out here, man. So hit me up. I'm in these streets, these DM streets. You feel me? <laughs> for sure. Well, <laughs> I hope this blessed you and encouraged you. And until next time, uh, peace and grace.